Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So you're going to be my first guest that's going to walk while he talks. And you know what? I'm, I'm the same way. I wish we could be doing this while we're walking outside or on the best conversations I ever have are not in front of a computer, all focused. So don't worry about it. As soon as you're ready, you just get up and start walking around. Cool? Perfect. Yeah. Like my ideal dinner is sitting at the bar. So the conversation is sort of side by side instead of, you know, um, yeah, intense eye contact is a, is a nice thing, but not necessary, you know, for, for all good conversations. Take the formality out. That's exactly the, right. Create the yeah. ease of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to do a real quick intro so that my audience, either if you have been with me on a journey or you're just tuning in, so you know exactly where we are and what to expect. It's been about a year and two months. We're at 72, 73 episodes. We are now in season three, firmly focused on this idea of adopting marketing mindset in the world of HR and the employee experience. In fact, two weeks ago, we published a draft of a book that incorporates all of the 70 guests with three other co-authors called The Lost Audience. These are the last episodes before we are going to plunge into season four, which is going to be all about running campaigns. We're going to as a community, support the bold, the courageous uh, innovators, practitioners that are ready to roll up their sleeves and go and campaign away, and then come in and share with us what they've learned. In the meantime, I met Aaron, a, I think it's been about three or four weeks ago, and he talked about campaigns. A CMO talking about internal campaigns. The, obviously, my antennas went up immediately, and today we're going to talk about what is a perfect campaign to improve remote collaboration. How many of you have talked to me or are discussing the challenges of remote? It sucks. We know it sucks, it's hard. Um, so how do we improve it? And when I say a perfect campaign, uh, obviously Aaron is not gonna deliver the perfect campaign. It's gonna be awesome and interesting, but we're gonna talk about what does it look like to go beyond. So that was a little, a little long. Aaron, thanks for, for being patient with me. I'm gonna throw in a question to you and then we'll kick this off. I'm always curious about the paradigm shift for marketers, for those, especially the CMOs, applying what they know to the internal audience. So mm -hmm. I would love maybe either how it happened or maybe some weird mental gymnastics that need to take place in order for the, these muscles to be redirected. Is there a paradigm shift? Give us a little inside view into your brain as you take your focus, not away from, but in addition to this internal yeah. audience. Yeah, that, that's spot on. So it really is, um, it's an additional thing, right? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, we're all driven by metrics and outcomes and results, especially in, you know, the modern marketer or the, you know, the CMO leading a, a marketing division. And I think we're all in the midst of changing the mindset from marketing being a cost center to this productive uh, place to invest and actually get, you know, positive ROI. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the mission we're on. That's the journey that we're going through. And uh, to your point, uh, there is a lost audience, right? Uh, and that is your internal people. And I think um, this doesn't just go for marketing, obviously, but the culture internally is sort of the engine that runs the whole thing. And so um, it's hard to 
draw a straight line, right, in this sort of metrics obsessed culture, which, by the way, I'm, I'm a participant, right? I'm, I'm an advocate, actually. Um, but what I've learned in, in more recent years as, as the leader of, of a department, essentially, is that even if things aren't uh, precisely quantifiable, it doesn't mean they're not worthwhile, right? Uh, and, you know, we're all, you know, obsessed with these mantras, like if you can't measure it, you can't manage it and all these sort of popular, you know, euphemisms that basically put data and analytics on this, on this pedestal. And that's great, right? Measurement's great, data analytics, amazing. But where does that leave campaigns like we're talking about that don't demonstrate in, in a more immediate uh, ROI, right? Where's the time? And so that really, I think, was um, the struggle, I think, to your point of paradigm shift. We're, we're, it's baked into us as marketers, right? I think that the, the only real paradigm shift in, in my mind is, um, is the results aspect, right? Because again, we're in a results obsessed culture and work environment, largely a good thing. But, you know, where does that leave sort of feel good campaigns? Where does that lead... Um, you know, the ability to just build up culture and, and do something nice. And one of the things we talked about initially was what I call just cause projects, right? You're doing it just cause, and you know, what you're doing is should have a positive impact. And um, you know that, you know, it, it feels worthwhile, but you have to sort of um, disengage that muscle that everything must be results, results, results. And that actually isn't so easy. I love that, and it's going to be a partially therapeutic episode for me because I'm on a lot of the a lot of these calls, and uh, I love the distinction. With your permission, I'd like to give us kind of a, you know, two-phased approach, and we're going to call it when we're switching from one to the other. The first, we're going to talk about you've run campaigns, you've learned from them, you did them because, as you said, just because it feels right, it's intuitive, it makes sense. Uh, you did them. And then we're going to draw a line in the sand after that and talk about a future state in which it is structured. I'm not saying you're a champion of that, and maybe you would be. And I welcome reverse sides where the therapeutic session begins, where I talk to you and I say, hey, this is what I'm thinking, because if we don't make it structured, it will be um, difficult to operationalize scale and ensure that it's happening in every organization. And we could begin to make arguments around ROI, but that is in phase two. So if you're cool with it, let's approach it this way. I'm cool. All right. So we're going to talk about you running campaigns, which is where my antennas just immediately went up. And as soon as you're ready, you can get up and walk around, as you said before. So just, <laughs> just feel, feel free. Uh, Aaron, um, how, when did it begin? Give us a little bit of a this is the moment when either you raise your hand or you were approached as a CMO to get involved in this, typically an HR run initiative. I say typically, a lot of my audience are, are atypical, but typically would be run under the people operations. And then walk us through, and I'll interrupt with questions. Why did you do it? How did you do it? How did it go? Let's share with an audience one of the first campaigns that we've covered on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. So um, it came about that the specific campaign that I wanted to share, which we call the, uh, the Quantic Towel Challenge, and we'll get into sort of what that looked like and what that meant, um, or the Q Towel Challenge. 
is uh, the outcome of one of our marketing onsites. So uh, like you mentioned before, um, this whole remote you know, work culture is a, is a real challenge. And I think really out of the gate, an important step is to acknowledge the trade-off, right? Because I think that there is this, you know, you talk about lines in the sand. There is this line in the sand and there are people that are vehemently opposed to remote, right? Like Goldman is like the loudest. And by the way, there's real reasons behind that. Everything they do is financially motivated, right? Commercial real estate, um, but we won't go get into that. But anyway, so you've got these these players, these large companies or organizations that are just um, loud about you know, let's get back to the office and be and be grownups. And it's a little condescending, right? Like um, I never never cared for that 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 approach to it. But then there are you know remote for lifers. And there's got to be a middle ground. I think we're all trying to figure out what, what hybrid looks like. So it's just interesting to see uh, this all play out. Um, but, you know, as, as my CEO used to say, um, the toothpaste is out of the tube, right? So early days COVID, we went remote. We've got employees in over 30 states. The toothpaste is out of the tube. There's no going back, essentially. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure this out. So for my group, what we do is we get together two to three times a year in our office in New York City. And we hang out. And the cool part about that is that, and this, again, nothing groundbreaking. I think most companies are figuring out some version of this. But, um, you know, it's harder and expensive to get a whole company together. So my department, uh, you know, I've made it a priority for us to get together and spend time together with the primary purpose being um, bonding, hanging out, right? The primary purpose is not uh, work sessions and we do that, right? We do, you know, workshops and we meet for a majority of the time and, and discuss real things and goals and, you know, um, quarter ahead type planning, but it's not primarily about that. Primarily it's about the activities that we do, the dinners that we go out to, the time we spend together. So I set that as a backdrop to sort of how this specific campaign came about because we were at the end of a pretty intense work session where we identified the critical campaigns that we wanted to run for the quarter ahead and the KPIs. And like, we really were sort of knee deep in, in planning. Um, and, and I wanted to just sort of step back and, and uh, zoom out. And part of my job these days is less zooming in and more zooming out, which I'm enjoying more and more. I know that sort of sounds fluffy because like, what does zooming out mean? But for me, it was like, let's get our, let's, let's unstick ourselves from, you know, campaigns and KPIs and, you know, delivering results. And let's talk about like cool stuff that we could do. Um, and so we just started to whiteboard, you know, random ideas. One of which was, uh, this was not my idea. I've helped facilitate it, but mm-hmm. um, I have people that are smarter than me working for me, which is a secret to my success. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my VP of marketing uh, is a, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He grew up in the Pittsburgh area. And if you're a football fan, you know that they have a, you know, their, their towels is a big part of like their games and kind of like mm-hmm. their, their football culture. They're, they call them the terrible towels. And so he wanted to apply that here because we're all dispersed and all over the place. What can we do to sort of um, put something, put the same thing in everyone's hands, literally, right? Like, so we came up with this idea of the Quantic towel, this white towel with an orange cue, orange is our you know, branded color. And we send them to everybody in the company. And we encourage everyone to take pictures, you know, in their hometown to a place that's of some personal significance. 
And those are kind of the guidelines, right? Um, really, it's up to you. And so we we did this and we had a really good participation rate. Everyone sort of submitted their pictures from all over the country in all these interesting places. And typically they weren't like, you know, um, I don't know, Mount Rushmore, right? Like they were the, these interesting personal places that were in, you know, people's towns and, uh, and, and cities, obviously. So, um, so yeah, that's essentially what we did and, and kind of how we, how we arrived at that idea. You showed me a couple of pictures on that, or maybe I looked at it on your website. Wow. Mm -hmm. That looks so cool. You gotta have a couple of stories, a couple of stories, maybe, maybe, maybe an obvious one where, where it's like, yeah, I expected for this to happen. Maybe a story where it happened, you got a picture and you couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few pictures that came in. Um, well, it's interesting because like, um, not that anyone sent in anything inappropriate, but when you're thinking about trying to use um, some of this content to demonstrate our culture. So that, that the cool part about this, and I think this was one of the primary reasons it worked was that we didn't, we didn't do this with the explicit um, idea to, you know, use these pictures on our about us page, for example, but we ended up using it because they were really good. And, and we were re uh, we were redoing our, you know, parts of the website and um, we just sort of fell on this idea to, you know, put in this rotating slide essentially in about us to like one of our, uh, main sort of drivers as a group is show, don't tell, right? Like, don't say we're cool. We're honest. We're helpful, right? Like show it, demonstrate it. Um, and so this was a really, really helpful and human way to, to do that. And so, yeah. And, and when we sort of rolled this out on the all company meeting, there was this really big moment where the chat sort of blew up. People were so excited to see themselves and their coworkers and their friends, you know, on, on our website, there were thousands and thousands of people go and there they were in their home hometown, holding up a towel next, you know, with the, their coworkers in the, in the slide afterwards. So it was, it was sort of organic. It was, it felt, um, um, it felt like people enjoyed it. I think at the end of the day, like um, there's a, an element of, of fun, which is really hard to pull off. I think that's sort of the last point I have here is that like, you know, the initial sort of uh, way that we compensated for a moat were these mandatory happy hours. Mm -hmm. And I think the first couple were enjoyable, but then basically they, they became sort of this thing that you had to do and just stare at a screen longer at the end of the day. And nobody likes that. Like the reality yeah. is nobody really likes that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the same, right? Like me and you having a drink, uh, together at a nice bar or restaurant is fundamentally different than Zoom. Um, so anyway. I, I want to go to the town hall meeting and I hear you loud and clear. This wasn't a, hey, we're going to do a website. Why don't you all send us very fun picture? No, it wasn't like that. I yeah. hear you. Yeah. And there's let's look at it at a spectrum. On one hand side, there's this formality that as soon as we hear it, as soon as people in the organization hear it, they check out. In the between, there's this voluntold, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to, but we're watching if you do it. And all the way in the other is a, is a totally organic thing that absolutely just happens. Um, so my question is, when you positioned it, was there like, hey, this is the meaning. Hey, this is a way to bring us to, what was the, like, if you were to distill the sentiment 
that was used to 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 activate this this campaign what would it sound like i think i'm not sure i would use this word but it, it would describe a feeling and the feeling is i think pride hmm. and i think that it's really hard to uh generate you know pride in the workplace when when you're remote right yeah. like because when you walk down you know a really nice office uh, and everyone's sort of you know dressed up and and you know uh cordial like there, there's a feeling to a nice work environment um, now is it worth that versus us being flexible and remote i i don't i don't know right um but but how do you generate that feeling of of you know pride in where you work um and so i think this did that we 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 um you know sort of a little bit on the nose right like it's sort of we made our own little flag right and had people wave it around <laughs> but but um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, that it really is it's um, it's a feeling, and that goes into the bucket of uh, sometimes things that are uh, less measurable. I'm not going to say immeasurable, but you know, how do you measure a feeling? I mean, there's lots of uh, pseudo scientific ways to do that. You know, I think you know the marketing industry on the edge of it is some of these measurement companies that are effectively trying to you know measure feelings uh, or sentiment in in you know the parlance of of, of marketing, but um, but yeah, I think it, like we looked around the, the, the room, quote unquote, right. And everyone celebrated and felt good and it was a moment for us. And we sort of hooked it into, uh, we brought in motivosity or HR rather really HR was a key partner in executing this and some of the other stuff that we do in partnership with them, with them. But, you know, a, a platform that they brought in to Quantic last year is called motivosity. And it's just a space for us to basically um, give thanks um, and sort of be together in, in a kind of a town square type, you know, digital space. So we tie that into the to the campaign and, and stuff like that. But it it really gave it gave a burst of energy. Now, energy always runs out. So I don't think that can like a campaign like that can't fuel a, a culture in perpetuity, but it can give you this jolt, this boost. And I think that's important. And if we think about the journey of customers, there's no single campaign, and that's it. There's a Super Bowl, and then there's a three months after. There's this campaign. There's a values campaign by the organization. Maybe there's a campaign about promotions and the value. Maybe there's a campaign about the manufacturing. All of this is a way for you to meet your prospects, your customers, where they are, mm -hmm. continuously. And what you just did is a campaign, and, and it, it sounds like you my words, kind of stumbled into it based on your intuition. And in a way, when you and I connected a, a few weeks ago, when I heard it, I was like, well, you are in a way stumbling into the emerging market, in my view, which is going to take what you've done and now going to elevate it, elevate it further and further and further. Because ultimately, I'd be curious one day to start thinking about how many cue towels, and pictures uh, were out there. And then that is one signal of the retention in the organization and performance in the organization. Sure. Yeah. Um, and before retention comes um, engagement, really. And engagement's a more, and you and I talked about sort of, you know, lagging versus leading indicators and retention. And also at the end of the day, you know, why did you lose someone or a group of people? 
human psychology is is complex, right? And for us to try and simplify it, we kind of have to because we need to, you know, take meaning from things. Um, and that's not a bad thing, but it's often misinterpreted. And it, this goes back to like, great, we're all data driven, but it's complicated. And so, you know, extracting meaning from data, uh, it isn't as straightforward as I think we all kind of assumed when we became data obsessed 10, 15 years ago as a, as a culture. Um, so, so here, I think if, if you're cool with it, and I think you all audience see why Aaron is here, like this is an awesome campaign. And by the way, like if you want to learn more, just uh, reach out, like ask questions on the, on the YouTube channel or, or wherever, whatever platform you're watching it on. I think it'd be really cool. But let me challenge that sentiment as we move our way into phase two of our conversation. And uh, I'm going to, first of all, totally agree with you. It's not all about data. But I will argue that without data, getting budgets and resources will be mighty challenging. Mighty yeah. challenging. So yeah. if we were to lean into it, I picture a world that I'd like you to stress test or help me add to and we build together because mm -hmm. we're parting reality right now. Reality is, is, is really kind of, we're done with reality at the moment. <laughs> a new world in which you run campaigns like that and you say, okay, impressions. How many people saw it? How many times? Um, Click-through rates. A conversion is a submission of a picture, perhaps. Perhaps there's another way to think about this campaign. And then we have campaign after campaign after campaign. And I'll give one more thought to make this a little more complicated, then turn it over to you, and then we'll see where our conversation leads because we've got, I've got no focus of where this goes. I'm swimming in this. We then start to think about funnels because that is a foundational concept campaign and funnels in the world of marketing why is it because you have a destination so one is this type of a campaign with towels uh, cute towels the second could be learning and development the third could be onboarding then there's wellness then there's benefits and now you're curating a world where there are leading indicators and engagement with campaigns across all of these funnels that can now begin to map to, you said it perfectly, engagement, which will lead to performance, which will lead to retention. Powering down, turning it over to you. Yeah, yeah, so, um, so, so how do you get budget, right? I think it's at, at the end of the day, right? Like, it, it's gr great. So we acknowledge that, you know, uh, there are some things that are not uh, perfectly measurable. There are some things that are intuitive and feel good, but like, you know, businesses are dependent on profitability and in order to spend money, you need to demonstrate you can get an ROI, a uh, positive ROI, obviously. So, um, so I, I can share what's worked for me and what's worked for me. It, and I borrowed this from, you know, how I run acquisition marketing, right? And so um, you have to separate, you have to separate things out because you cannot, you know, a conversion is this nebulous thing, right? Like you said, it's, it's, it's typically, referred to as some sort of form submission online, but it's anything like we just converted on this phone call, right? Like that's a conversion. Like we intended to do that and we did that now conversion, right? So, um, no conversion is equal. Like even, and then if you even take those, um, um, those calculated metrics like CPA, we all define CPA differently, right? Like we have this cost per funded loan, you know, golden metric, but like 
even the way we calculate that is fundamentally different than some cost per lead or cost per qualified lead. So it's all, it's all uh, splitting hairs in terms of metrics, right? And, and by the way, uh, if you're skilled, you can make almost anything look good <laughs> by leaving things out and emphasizing what works, right? So, and unfortunately, I think we're all playing that game to some degree. But um, what has worked for me in the past is separating things out and not holding things accountable to the same ultimate metric, right? And so there's this, you know, separation. I think most brands do this today where you separate out, you know, per, uh, performance or acquisition from brand, right? And brand is obviously much more about, like you said, impressions and awareness, and you j judge things based off of that versus the more sort of conversion and performance oriented type campaigns that you run mid or lower funnel, right? I think that's just a general approach. So, but the philosophy is that you, you break things apart, you split things out and you judge them differently. I think philosophically, um, I, I call it functionalism. So I'm a functionalist, which means that I judge things based on their intended purpose, right? So, um, and it sounds nice, but it's not overly sophisticated, right? So if you are, you know, um, running a search campaign, which is very sort of, you know, demand generation oriented and really kind of close to lower funnel because you have people actively searching for something that you, you know, you're there for. That's why Google is, is Google, right? And all advertising dollars eventually flow there is because it's so bottom funnel at the end of the day compared to, you know, any sort of display or connected TV or more upper funnel stuff. So I, I sort of bring that up just to sort of um, offer up the idea of uh, breaking things apart and putting things in buckets. And so, um, and so you got to do that here, right? Now, um, the, the key is that any, any bucket, any budgeting sort of, you know, bucket that you create ultimately does have to have metrics tied to it, to your point. So what are those, right? So what I've done is I've broken off, um, you know, parts of my budget into, um, you know, pieces that are uh, extremely, um, they're tied very closely to real performance metrics, right? And we're serious about it, by the way. I know I'm sort of, you know, giving data analytics and metrics a hard time, but like, I, that's because I lived and died by them. And I so over-indexed on performance and metrics for so long. And I've recently kind of had more of a revelation about, um, like, there are, things, there are things we do not see. Right. And there's like humility to admitting that and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, so yeah, so judging things differently is crucial and creating um, separation in budget is key. And that's how we do it. Right. So um, and we'll partner up with different departments to activate different types of campaigns. Um, I'm always happy. Like we're doing running a campaign with uh, IT right now um, and I'm like, use, use our marketing budget, right? Because we have things broken out. Like we'll pick metrics. We'll agree upon the metrics. It'll be less, um, you know, less ROI based and more sort of like impression awareness based. But, um, but yeah, so separating things out has really worked for me. It was amazing how you continue to reference external thinking and bringing it internal, which is why adoption of marketing, those words, adoption of marketing mindset is key here. And you've got IT that's talking to you about campaigns. So correct me if I'm wrong, but if campaigns work with internal audiences, and actually I'm going to go on the limb and they can't not work because they work with customers 
in fact, what is a campaign? It's really the intention of meeting people where they are to guide them toward a journey, right? And then maybe along that journey create sub-journeys because not all people are the same. So really that is the campaign. So if IT says we would like to improve on cyber security, and a lot of that is very simple things we'd like people to do. If a benefits uh, folks at HR say, listen, we really need them to pick a dependent. We need them to do this at a certain point of the year. If your L&D folks say, listen, we'd like to get more people to get into our management program and apply or take a course. How is it uh, that we are not, or maybe how would we get to a point where we're nonstop running campaigns? And if we get there, does that live in marketing? Or does this function move into people operations world? What do you think? Um, my approach is I, I always offer up, you know, we'll, we'll lead it, right? Well, it'll, it'll come from our budget and we'll lead it. And that really is kind of like, um, just a general mentality of, um, you know, offer help. Um, it'll, it'll come back to you in spades is, is obviously the idea like, Oh, we'll, we'll take that on. I think that we all know departments, uh, or groups of people that generally say, yeah, sorry, we're just super busy Totally. or, oh yeah, no, we'll, we'll take that on. And that doesn't mean my group isn't busy. It's just like, it's important to me. It's important to us that we're the type of people that can do many things at once. Right. Um, and we generally say, yeah, like I, I can handle that. We can get that done. Um, and to me, that's what separates, I think a, a great group from a, you know, a, a mediocre group. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so I think generally speaking, we offer up to lead it. Now, the the key is, um, and this is going to, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, politics here, right? <laughs> and I'm just sort of sharing what's worked for me. You're but being, in terms you're of being like, re real, Aaron, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, um, so like who, who announced this at the all company meeting, going back to this, this QTOWL campaign that we yeah. ran for, it was like a six week campaign internally for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of employees. Um, I didn't announce it. In fact, I don't think marketing was mentioned. Uh, and I don't care, but like to my group, I, we celebrated it, right? Uh, because it was our idea and we helped, you know, execute design. Um, HR did a lot of the legwork, right? And you know what? It was an HR campaign. So I didn't announce it or share this with the, with the company, the head of HR did. And, um, and so, yeah, I think on the other side of that coin is uh, credit. Um, so upfront, you know, raise your hand and say, yeah, I think, I think we could handle that. And then at the end, don't care about credit flowing your way because I guarantee you that just bonafides marketing my department's reputation as a kick-ass group. Right. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of goes with the whole theme. Like, uh, it's not necessarily unnoticed or unsaid. It's just, um, it's a really powerful way, I think, to build capital within an organization. It's again, just sharing what's worked for me. That's awesome. So all of you CMOs listening to this, this could be an interesting opportunity for you to partner and, and begin to create value for others internally, other leaders. And the following train of thought there for marketers, it's probably already self-evident for some of those who are, who are not exposed to marketing. Why do we keep talking about the campaign? 
Um, campaigns are foundational to the world of marketing. And um, Aaron, I want to just, you and I, really briefly, I'm actually pulling up here. I, I found a couple quotes. Actually, my favorite quote about com campaigns is marketing without campaigns is like a ship without sail. Like quite, quite literally, that is the foundational tool. So when we think about a campaign, Aaron, in broad strokes, I think about it as there's a beginning, there's an end, there's an audience, we're segmenting the audience, there are creatives, there are channels. Where do we, where do we reach them, especially with this type of an internal audience? Um, so what in the biggest buckets, when you talk about a campaign, when you think about a campaign, how do you think about it? And then maybe let's you and I reflect on what's different between an external audience and internal audience when we think about a campaign. Yeah, I think that um, you're spot on, right? The, the, the definition of a campaign are all those things, right? Beginning and an end, audience. Um, um, and these, these would all be summarized in something like a campaign brief, um, where there's spend and there's channels, and that's what, that's what marketing looks like. Um, so I think um, it depends on the size, right? Because there, there are big campaigns and small campaigns. Some marketing campaigns um, are heavily researched, and a lot goes in. I want to sort of drill into that audience component. Um, and so, a lot of work can be spent and often is spent developing that audience. And there's quantitative and qualitative approaches, right? So like, for example, I'll just try and make it real with a real example. Um, we, we went to market, we're actually, I'll, I'll use a, a real time example that we're in the process of doing. We are in the, we, uh, a little over a year ago, we released what we call, what we call the payery. It is a wearable device that you wear on your finger. It's a ring and uh, it's a substitute for a debit card. It's super cool, right? So if you wave your ring over, you know, a payment device, boom, you pay. Uh, it's got the same technology inside of a ceramic ring as, you know, the, the chip that's in your plastic card. And so like we partnered up with this, um, with this uh, company that actually produced them and we, we brought them to market here in the US and it's just a super cool concept and I love taking something that's assumed to be the way it is and asking the basic question of why, like, why, why do we have to pay through a plastic card? Like it doesn't, like if you step back and think about it, like that's not, mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. Like it's not a necessary thing. It's just a, uh, the way that we do it and the way that it's developed. So, um, we brought the ring to market as a product. Now ring needs to be tied to a checking account. So, um, you know, we launched uh, a pretty, pretty big campaign, um, mostly in digital across like social channels, uh, like, you know, influencer videos and, um, and we learned a lot pretty fast actually. But one thing that we didn't do was spend a lot of time researching the audience. Cause I've seen a bit of part of marketing teams that really spin their wheels for months and months and months. And research is not a bad thing. There needs to be some research to point you in a direction at the end of the day, but like, you know, uh, creating, you know, personas, like five different personas, like, you know, Savvy Sally and uh, Frugal Frank, um, you know, those are, those are kind of constructs that, you know, marketers do um, to kind of make themselves feel good and give themselves a direction. 
But, um, but again, something like that is necessary. And so, um, so yeah, developing an audience is, is a really big part of the campaign. And going back to the HR example and sort of promoting and running a campaign internally for your people, you skip that whole part, or at least you should, because you got to know who, who you are, I think. Uh, and meet, like you said, meet people where they are, um, which is the cool part, actually. I think because, again, marketers spend so much time researching and trying to understand their audience. Um, you could, you should be able to more or less skip that, which is really cool, which is why this is a really good thing to sort of um, bring your intuition to, right? Because if you know who you are and you know your people, right? And there's a general sort of sense of that, then you could feel your way to a good idea, which is really, really, really hard to do in the real world when you're activating a campaign like us bringing to market the quantum pay ring, which was hard to do. Initially, we thought we were like, you know, marketing to um, technologists and like outdoorsy people. Well, that wasn't really the case. And so we, it was important that we didn't dump hundreds of thousands of dollars in research, building up those straw men personas because they weren't really our audience. Um, so that's just an, an example to try and il illustrate that a bit. Right on. I'm with you. And, and you're right, this is an audience that you know a lot about. So that, that, that is one difference. What are some of the other differences that you think when we're applying this, this campaign thinking internally? There's one, one thing that comes to my mind that many, but there's one big one is curious your take on the, the idea that you know, there's the audience and then there's the manager of that audience, which is 70% you know, of the variance in employee experience is the manager. Do you create another campaign to think about how to activate managers to show up in that employee experience the way that's intended? So if you're doing this, the QTAL campaign, what if the managers brought that up? What if you were able to get them to be excited, to be excited and to talk about it with their teams? Would that increase engagement in that specific example? Whether that one or others, what are the differences between the campaigns externally and internally that you could think of? It's really interesting because what I, I, I'm again, I'm, I'm just trying to share what I what I've learned, and uh, with these sorts of uh, campaigns, right? When it comes to internal culture, bottom up, not top down, right? So what you're describing is, you know, um, coordinating with uh, middle management and you know motivating them to sort of trickle down and share with their individual people. You know, uh, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Like, nope, bottom up, right? It's got to be more grassroots. It's got to be, and that's a really good indicator, actually. I know we're talking about metrics and, and KPIs, but like, don't forget the I, right? KPI. Like, at the end of the day, you're looking for strong, clear indicators of success. Mm -hmm. And if there is just this natural adoption of what you're trying to roll out for employees, that's a really good indicator that it's working. <laughs> and if you are, you know, kind of like calling a meeting with managers and like, we really need you to motivate your people to like, you know, engage with this. Well, that's a really good indicator that what you're doing probably isn't a great idea. Roger that. And, and when you think about Aaron, this, this maybe utopian state, like when I think about what are we trying to accomplish with the customer experience from a marketing perspective, I think it should be the focus on all touch points are, you know, right message, right person, right time, right channel. We really are meeting them where they are at every touch point. 
would that be an impossible goal to set internally that we do the same that marketing mindset is is now being adapted in order to accomplish the same thing so whenever you see any interaction any touch point from your organization it is relevant to you and the organization stop being these are my word not not yours but being one of the biggest spammers in the life of, of the employee uh, because there's just so much communication so what do you think would be a north star if we had to give it some some shape here yeah, North Stars are super helpful. Um, so I, I do think, actually, I'll go back to that sort of marketing truth, right? The paradigm of, you know, right place, right time, right message, right? And that, you know, that is really more of an ideal. Mm-hmm. The truth is, like, I, what was a, what was, what's a recent thing that you bought? Amazon. Okay. Uh, well, Amazon is interesting because it's such an established marketplace. You just sort of automatically go there. Did you buy anything like from a website, direct consumer in the past few weeks or few months that comes to mind? Uh, shoes for my, my kids. I think it was a pair of Adidas. Okay. Was it from Adidas.com? Yes. Did you go there just once and, and pull the trigger or was it more of a uh, multi-touch? I think it was a multi-touch. I think I went and then I thought about it. Then maybe there was a retargeting involved, and I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna finally do this." So th- this was a journey. Beautiful. We should share this with Adidas because that's their <laughs> that make them go good. Um, but yeah, so that's a really good sort of real example of customer journey. Now, like at every you know quote unquote touch point, um, was it was it perfect? Like. It can't, it can't be so, but I do think it's really important that it is, it's an objective, right? It is, it is the goal for marketing overall to be there, right? To be there with, with the right message at the right time, at the right place. Um, the reality is, is that that almost never happens, right? And that's okay. But I do think that just sort of acknowledging that even with the customer journey, that that's, that rarely happens. Uh, I think with the employee journey, it's, it's probably the same, right? Like, but, um, I think there's a, it has to be paired with the culture. So in terms of like, let's say that you have a spectrum, right? Like a meter and on the left is like barely ever communicates, right? Like, so the organization top down side to side, like barely ever communicates. And on the right side of the meter is like, you know, over communication to the nth degree where, you know, everything is shared and discussed and posted and blah, blah, blah. Um, like know thyself, right? Like, so what type of organization are you, where do you sort of live on that meter? And I think it, it, it should be, you know, you end up with the people you end up with. And, and what I've learned is that uh, when you, when you recruit, right, you're sort of building your own internal culture maybe within a specific team even, and like that group begins to bring in people that are kind of like that group, hopefully, hopefully complementary. I'm not talking about like diversity stuff, but really like from a, from an attitude, uh, or just general philosophy. Right. So like, you know, we're driven, we're open, we're humble. We, we, um, you know, we, we communicate effectively, like it, if you have done your job from a people standpoint, um, it should be pretty clear sort of where you live on that meter. And, and, and then you got to check on that, right? Um, 
and occasionally say, hey, are there things you guys, you know, want to hear more about or less about? I think that's kind of like the, the temperature check that you need to do occasionally. But if, if you know the type of organization you are, I think the easier, um, the easier it is to answer that communication question. Understood. And the temperature check is, is so important. And then that kind of leads me, I'm looking at time and I can't believe that we're toward the end of the episode. I, I could do this all day, Aaron. I, I have <laughs> so, many, so many more questions. But, uh, and maybe you'll go toward listening and how important it is. But if you were to give, you know, one, one piece of advice for those that are listening who are on this journey to, to bring marketing, to bring marketing mindset internally, like what, what advice... What, would, what, what advice w w would you give them? I would say, um, really, it's, it's just about like uh, picking your spot and being patient, right? So if you come in with the objective of like, you know, I want to be a hero of the organization and run a great culture campaign and make, make myself and my group look great, it's probably not going to work out. And other departments in the organization overall can, can sort of sniff it out too. So... I, I do think that if you come at it from more of a, I'm a member of this organization, right, this business, and I care about our culture. And if you sort of have that mindset, um, you can, you know, over time develop ideas that you feel like are worthwhile activating, offer to help and don't try and take the credit, right? And, and I think that is a recipe that, again, has just really worked well for me. And like, I'm not, I haven't thought about an HR or people type campaign in a while and that's okay. But occasionally I think back to that sort of temperature check mentality, occasionally you should be thinking about that, right? So our next onsite as a group is in three weeks. Um, we'll all be together in, in Midtown and I don't have it on the schedule, but I have it sort of, you know, uh, earmarked in, in my head. We're gonna we're gonna chat about culture real fast, and either something we feel is worthwhile will come out of it, or not, right? And I think that's that goes back to like picking your spot. I think it's about sort of mentality. It's got to be helpful. It's got to be genuine, and um, and yeah, that's that's what's worked for me. Create the space, listen, Aaron. Yes. I, I'm just uh, I really appreciate. You're, you're the first or one of the first, I believe the first campaign conversation that we've had as we really begin the journey of f focusing on campaigns. So for all of you listening, you know, subscribe. Uh, let me know what you think about this episode. Ask Aaron questions if you want to know more about QTOWLS. I'm going to ask him for a few pictures, maybe grab them from the website so that I can share <laughs> with you all. And um, on to preparation for season four. Uh, next up will be one of the leaders at Blue Origin where we're going to talk about the convergence where one team is responsible for all audiences, internal and external. On that note, Aaron, just want to say a huge thank you for your time and for your brilliance. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. Over and out.